Welcome to the Phoenix Infidelity Podcast, the podcast for betrayed men by betrayed men. Here we shed light on the topic of infidelity from a first-hand experience as well as from a professional counseling perspective. If you would like more information on how to book a one-on-one counseling session, just send us an email to info at phoenixinfidelity.com. In today's conversation, we explore both the positive and negative aspects of scoring either high or low on any given trait within the Big Five personality scale. I have created a useful chart found on our website where you could easily scan through the pros and cons related to each trait within the context of betrayal. Just go to phoenixinfidelity.com and head to the article related to this conversation. We also talk about why this is such a valid and reliable test compared to the MBTI, the Enneagram, and others. We hope you find this useful. And if you do, please consider subscribing. Ready? We've got work to do. So today's conversation, I think, is a fun one. Um, We're talking about the Big Five personality scale. And I'm also including a link in the comment section for the listeners to go and, you know, take this test and play around with it. And um, I mean, who doesn't like to know more about their own personality? So I use this test every year um, as I start the year with my students because, you know, I, I teach this English course, but I include a lot of psychology in the course. And we talk about brain science um, and whatnot. So um, this is always a fun way to start the year and also for me to get a good idea of, um, you know, who I'm dealing with. So before we get into what the test is all about, um, what are your thoughts on just that that idea of, you know, giving someone this personality test before you start counseling? I find that very often in a counseling situation when a client comes to me with a betrayal situation, there isn't really time to go into something as clinical as this. We really are dealing with a crisis very often and so often there's so much going on in terms of trauma and pain and confusion and frustration that we don't really have the time to delve into personality and try and understand. And so I I actually don't address it at all, to be quite honest. Yeah, I think that's a fair answer because that's one of the first things I want to Um, point out with regards to this personality test personality is indeed contextual so you might have heard this analogy before you could be the most extroverted person in the world but you're going to be timid and quiet at a funeral and i'm also i'm not so sure that in the first stages of the infidelity trauma you would get an accurate reading of your personality and I remember, uh, you know, taking the taste a little after the infidelity. And I remember my conscientiousness score just being completely out of whack. Um, we've talked about the brain science. If you missed that episode, have a listen. You know, the prefrontal cortex got hijacked and my executive functioning, you know, um, went down by quite a bit. So... I'm actually not sure that this is the best time for guys to take this personality test. And 
I think it's fair what you what you say. No, I think it's a very helpful comment actually for people to recognize that no matter what their personality is, a trauma is going to affect it in some way. And people will say, I used to be so, you know, I used to be so bubbly, I used to be so positive, I used to be so confident, I used to be. And suddenly they're not anymore. And so we have to recognize that that's what trauma does. And it has, we have to actually normalize it for our clients. You as the listener need to know that it's it's okay, which I, I've, you've heard me say a million times, I'll continue saying it. It's okay if you're going through this and suddenly you've changed, you seem like your personality has changed. But hopefully with a good therapist, it will help you in positive ways and you'll heal and become a better, stronger person, more well, more balanced, more well-rounded as a result. Yeah, so that leads me into the next point of, you know, personality is that according to the science, it seems like there's a very strong genetic factor, especially on some of these traits that we're going to look at. And then obviously the environment also plays a role. Um, but more often than not, it's quite difficult to shift these um, in, in, in great magnitude. So it's almost like we have to deal with the cards that we've been dealt, in a sense. And uh, there is room for improvement. But I, I think what trauma does is it shocks you um, in the short to, to, to medium term almost into a, per, a different personality. And sometimes I think you could actually rewire the brain. So in terms of taking the personality test, I don't think there's a, there's a specific time or place to do it. Um, but if you then, when you feel comfortable, I think, um, you know, have a look and in a few months do it again and see what, what the results are. If we think about change, um it's quite helpful to recognize that change is possible. It's going to require an effort. Um, I know for myself, I, I don't, didn't really score very high on agreeableness and definitely might have had some high scores on neuroticism. So similarly, um, certain aspects of openness I might have scored low and others quite high because I can be quite rebellious. Um, but at this other... And at other times, I can be quite conservative as well in terms of my values, and I can be quite judgmental. So I think what we do need to recognize is that people can change because I, I think I've become a, a lot more, a lot less neurotic, a, a lot more patient, a lot less dogmatic and opinionated. And I've had to do that because I was motivated to do it. I was motivated to by the hurt that I was causing in my relationships and in my environment. And so I was motivated to work on myself. And I think in, in many ways I've changed as a result. And I think it's possible. doesn't mean that my personality has changed, but there have been aspects of my personality that I think have changed as a result. And so we need to be aware of that. Everybody can change certain things in their, their behaviors, how they do things, what they say, how they say it can be changed. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, what we shouldn't fall victim to is this idea that, well, this is this is who I am, right? And um, God made me like this, <laughs> and uh, and this is the way I am. So there, absolutely, there is room for change. And I think a lot of these traits also, as you get older and wiser, 
if you are indeed a teachable person, um, they do shift a little bit. Or at the very least, you learn how to manage the neuroticism. I don't think the neuroticism necessarily shifts that much, but with wisdom and mindfulness, um, you know, you deal with the negative emotions much, much better. Um, and you add tools to the, you know, to, to, to the cognitive tool belt, so to speak, to get you through these situations. So yeah, totally agree. So let's just give a little bit of context because from what I can see and understand is that the big five personality test is very much the gold standard in, in psychology. And there's a reason for this. Um, because if you compare it to other tests like the MBTI and the Enneagram, um, it's much more reliable and much more valid um, for the reason that it's been very well factor analyzed. So I'm going to try and explain this as easy as possible. I think it's, it's necessary to understand why this is such a valid test. Um, and I have to be honest that I asked ChatGPT to give me an analogy in order to communicate this very, very simply. Because if you haven't studied psychology, I don't think you really understand or realize what is the difference between the big five and the other tests out there. So basically when something has been very well factor analyzed, it means that the overlapping descriptors have been um, filtered out and we're making sure that you can't fall into the same category at the same time. So to, to give you the analogy that I got from ChatGPT, imagine somebody asks you if you like ice cream. Okay, so do you like chocolate or do you like vanilla? And, you know, you, so if, you, if you're the chocolate kind of person, um, you say, yeah, I love all things sweet and creamy. And if you're the vanilla type of person, you say, no, I love things that are smooth and simple. But here's the problem. What if you find vanilla to be sweet as well? Because chocolate and vanilla are both sweet. Um, and what if you think chocolate is smooth as well? And that's where the problem comes in. So in the MBTI, for example, you have this sensing versus intuition categories. For example, in the sensing category, you're, you're more practical and um, some, somebody that's hands-on. And intuition is somebody that's, you know, more, yeah, you're more intuitive and you like to dream about the future or whatnot. But what if you're a person that's practical, but you also like to dream about the future? So there's overlapping descriptors here. And, and that, that's what makes it less reliable and less valid. Another thing that makes the big five very reliable and valid is that it doesn't push you into a specific category. So it puts you onto a continuum, unlike these other personality tests. So, I mean, you're not either extroverted or introverted. You score on a scale of 1 to 100 on extroversion. And once again, this could be contextual, okay? And there are many factors. However, with the big five personality, we can predict fairly well how you will handle some situations. If you are extremely extroverted, chances are on a Friday night, you'll probably want to go out with friends. So let's quickly lay out these five indexes, um, these five traits, and then we'll see how this affects or is affected by betrayal. Um, 
The first one is, let, let's use the acronym that they always use, the OCEAN acronym. So the first trait is openness. And if you score high in openness, it means that you enjoy new experiences and you enjoy intellectual pursuits. This is closely linked to creativity. Some other adjectives that go along with openness to, you know, to explain openness a little bit better would be things like curious, imaginative, creative, open-minded, adventurous. Okay. I score extremely high on openness. Um, we could perhaps talk about this, how that affected my relationship in the past and how it's affecting relationships now, but I'm about in the 95th percentile of openness. So, um, if you put a hundred people in the room, I'm yeah more open than 95 of them, 94 of them. Um, the next one is conscientiousness. So some adjectives to describe this would be things like organized, dependable, diligent, responsible, disciplined. If you're a highly conscientious person, these are the things that describe you very well. Then we have extroversion. So you're more sociable, um, you're more outgoing, more energetic. You definitely feel more positive emotion in social situations, right? The next one is agreeableness. So if you score high on agreeableness, you are more compassionate. You're more cooperative. You're more trusting. You know, you trust people um, more easily. You're more empathetic um, and you're just kind in general. And then if you score high in neuroticism, it means that you are more anxious, moody, sensitive to negative emotions, emotional perhaps, um, and a little bit more pessimistic in that regard. Great stuff. So now that we've gotten this out of the way, now that we understand these five traits that are, that are being assessed, let's see how this relates to being betrayed and how scoring high or low could be either beneficial or detrimental in your healing process. I think let's start with neuroticism. So one would argue that scoring low in neuroticism is like winning the lottery in terms of positive emotions. So I mean, this means you're not sensitive to negative emotions at all. So it's, you know, it's water under the bridge, spilt milk, attitude very easily moving on but you have to understand that if you score very low on eroticism it means that the negative emotion doesn't hang around for long enough to perhaps motivate you to change your behavior and avoid certain situations in the future so you might be finding yourself making the same mistakes over and over again just merely because you're not learning your lesson and the negative emotion isn't pushing you um, to learning the lesson. So let's, for, let's say, for example, you score high on neuroticism. The positive impact of scoring high in neuroticism, thinking about working through betrayal, is that it could mean that you learn more from the bad experience and you perhaps work harder to avoid future betrayal due to high sensitivity to the negative emotion. However, scoring high could also mean that it takes longer to process the pain and, you know, work through the trauma due to the high sensitivity to negative emotion. I score higher than I 
wish. Um, I think I'm about in the 60, 65th percentile <clears throat> in terms of neuroticism. This goes up exponentially when I'm sleep deprived. I think I've spoken about this <laughs> in previous conversations. Um, so again, in con the context determines, right? I, 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 I really don't like who I become when I need sleep. And I'm, I've obviously, with mindfulness meditation, learned to manage this as well. Um, I don't know if you want to add to that, because I think this specific trait could be a key factor um, in working through trauma, either slowly or quickly. What do you think? I think so. I think neuroticism is a very good predictor of how you're going to struggle on your healing journey. One of the things that people who score quite highly on this axis is that they are guilt prone um, and and self-conscious. So as you shared from your own experience, there, there was this time where you were thinking, what have I done wrong? I need to fix this. this part of it's been my fault. And so um, as as an individual um, faces the, the trauma of betrayal, he or she is going to, you know, keep blaming himself and, and finding reasons. What did they do wrong? And, and that becomes a hindrance to healing because, yeah, there may have been things that you've done wrong, but it's not your fault. And you can't now focus on you trying to change and you doing better because your focus actually needs to be on, on your own healing, on dealing with your emotions. So when you score high on neuroticism, it does make this journey a lot harder and we, we want to help you with this. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that because high neuroticism and high conscientiousness, it feels to me like they go hand in hand in this context of, you know, working through betrayal when it comes to blaming oneself. Um, like I mentioned in a previous conversation, my high conscientiousness also pushed me into this frame of mind of, you know, taking the taking full responsibility for what had happened and, you know, self-chastising and, and, and blaming myself and fallen victim to the sunk cost fallacy and you're a disciplined person and it feels like you've put in so much work to make this relationship work and now it's falling apart and you need to take, you know, take the reins and take control of the situation. And, you know, in addition to that, you may become overly cautious or develop trust issues um, affecting future relationships. The flip side is if you are highly conscientious, you're more likely to take proactive steps for the healing process and avoid future betrayal. Now, this is also something that I could testify to. Um, I systematically worked through, um, you know, the, the homework that you gave me and things that I studied up, I studied up on, on how to deal with betrayal trauma and I launched myself into a healing journey from the base of this, you know, high level of conscientiousness. I think the conscientious um, trait can be very positive, perhaps um, not necessarily for you as the betrayed, but for the betrayer, because the betrayer is going to be more conscientious in trying to rebuild the relationship. They're going to work hard at helping you heal. They're going to be organized. They're going to try their best. They're not going to be lazy. They're not going to neglect you, but they're going to want to work hard on helping you to heal, which which is great. 
a negative aspect if you are score quite highly on conscientiousness is that if you are in a relationship with someone who scores very low on this, they could be quite irritated with your conscientiousness, your hardworking style, your organization, the fact that you're punctual, um, you know, your dependableness is a positive, but it can sometimes become a negative. All those kind of things can also be part of the contribution that pushed your partner away, perhaps. And so these are all things that we need to look at on the healing journey. We will definitely talk more about this when we start our series on how to be a better husband or partner and how to build strong relationships because I think it truly is super important to understand where you fall on these five um, traits and where your partner falls because if if there's a strong dichotomy there and you know you fall on opposite sides of any of these traits um, I just think it's it's so difficult to meet each other halfway. Um, so we'll definitely pick up on that. Absolutely great. Thanks, Anfred. The next one is extroversion. So I'd love to know what your ideas are in terms of this trait, because if you score high on extroversion, the positive side in the context of betrayal trauma is that you're more likely to seek social support. And that we know from previous conversation is a key factor in 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 healing um and healing rapidly now me scoring more on the introverted side i don't score too high on extroversion so i was less likely to seek external validation um which can lead to self-reliance and you know being more introverted um i know what it's like to self-examine and you know thoroughly process um, things that have happened to me, which I think accelerates the healing. But again, on the other side, if you're more introverted, um, you might isolate yourself, making recovery more difficult. Yeah, so it's helpful to have heard some of your experience, and I would definitely concur with that. A person who is a little bit more introverted is going to take a lot longer to seek help than someone who's extroverted. Because an introvert doesn't like to share his feelings, doesn't want to talk about how upset or angry he is. Whereas an extrovert says, I'm so mad, I need to go talk to someone about it, who can help me? Um, And they're going to be much faster on the healing journey and they'll be able to process their or or walk through their healing journey probably a little bit easier because they don't mind sharing their feelings. Um, they're, They're active about getting things going, making things happen. They're not going to self-isolate, but rather try and get out, meet people, be with friends, and all of those are healthy behaviors. The negative of the extrovert is that he doesn't spend enough time looking at his pain or wanting to feel his pain because he's used to being energized by people, and so he'll rather want to be with people and have fun, do fun things, get drunk, go to a party, that kind of thing, instead of just spending some time just addressing his feelings. But again, that's where a therapist is going to guide and help. So it's not a train smash. It's not something to you know get depressed or upset about. This is something that a, a good therapist is going to help guide him through. 
no matter what his personality is like. Next one is agreeableness. So the positive side of scoring high on agreeableness is that you're probably more likely to seek reconciliation or at least understand the betrayer's point of view, um, which could perhaps aid in the closure process. But the negative side of that would be that you're, you might be just too forgiving, leading to, an, leading to a cycle of betrayal. Now, this is interesting because coming back to the point of it being contextual, I also score quite low on agreeableness. Um, but within that context, having felt the betrayal and having fallen victim to separation anxiety pushed me into this frame of mind of forgiving almost immediately and, you know, trying to understand her side of things and almost trying to help her heal through the abandonment that she felt um, that in her mind pushed her into the arms of this other guy. So I completely flipped from being, you know, moderate, moderately disagreeable to being extremely agreeable and it was not helpful at all. So Again, you've heard us say this before, this is not the time for you to make big decisions. And forgiving immediately is a very big decision. Um, so if you're more of an agreeable person, you have to take note of this and you know just step back for a second and maybe process a little bit before you before you act. Again, that is an aspect which is going to be a hindrance for you in terms of healing. Because if you're a low scorer on agreeableness, it means you're critical, you're irritable, you're suspicious. Sometimes you can be quite ruthless. And and in the midst of betrayal trauma, those are going to come out even more. Um, interestingly for you, it, it didn't happen. But very often someone who's going through betrayal trauma will then score even lower in terms of agreeableness and that doesn't really help the relationship it makes it even harder for the betrayer to help you recover in having good healing conversations because you become even more disagreeable and that's not so helpful on the journey it is better to be more trusting more lenient more soft-hearted more good-natured and that helps you to recover faster because you you're not going to forgive too quickly, I hope, but you're not going to take quite as long to be forgiving. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Agreeableness is a tough one. Um, this is one of those traits that I think you can shift it a little bit. Um, and through, you know, through training, you can learn how to put your foot down or perhaps if you're less agreeable, learn how to be more cooperative. Um, but just a side note, I don't know if you're aware of this, one of the key features of a narcissist would be scoring very high in extroversion and very low in agreeableness. Openness is the last one. So this is, this is an interesting one because if you score high on openness, the positive side of it in the context of betrayal is that you're probably more willing to explore therapeutic methods. And you're open to consider different perspectives for healing. The negative side of being highly open 
is that you may overanalyze the situation, leading to paralysis by analysis. Now, I'm a philosopher, I think, by heart. And yeah, I mean, this is something that I have to live with and deal with because I am forever processing things. And we've spoken about the default mode network in the episode of the, the brain and the brain science behind betrayal trauma. I personally needed mindfulness training, mindfulness meditation training to try and shut this section of the brain down and stop overanalyzing so much. What do you think about this specific trait of openness? Oh, I think um, if we're talking about healing, I totally want to concur with what you're saying. Having that openness is going to help you in the healing process because you are more curious you you want to think of creative ways to grow and to heal and to recover you want to be interested in hearing the other side and you're not just focused on yourself again if we look at um, some of the reasons for the betrayal you might find that if you've scored low on openness that those are some of the things which have pushed your spouse away the good news is is that you actually can change if you look at them you you can become more conscientious you don't have to be neglectful you can become more um, creative you don't have to um, just be closed-minded you can become more curious it's just a matter of changing slowly changing becoming a little bit more curious a little bit more intentional a little bit more well organized a little bit more punctual you know just changing small things over time so that you'll be able to be the kind of person that can be more loving to a woman who needs to be loved. I think scoring very low in openness um, puts you into a very conservative mindset. And that might be very difficult to break out of um, in terms of, you know, changing behavior and and adjusting to specific situations so um, this is what the phoenix infidelity project is all about to help guide men through these situations and exploring certain methods um, you know to get them through the storm of infidelity so if you want to connect with us in terms of online counseling just send an email to info at phoenixinfidelity.com thank you anfred We have lots more to talk about. It's been a pleasure as always. I'll see you in the next one. It's a pleasure. Goodbye, listeners. We'll chat again soon. If you would like more information on how to book a one-on-one counseling session, just send us an email to info at phoenixinfidelity.com.